And our reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 11, uh, verses 19 to 26. And this is entitled, The Church in Antioch. So if you have your Bibles with you, then please open and read that with us. If not, it should appear on the screen. The Lord's Word says this, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw that the grace of God had, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And this is the Lord's word. And I'll just pray for Nick as he comes forward to help us glean more from that. Father, we ask you to bless Nick as he shares the depth of what you're trying to say here to us, Father. And we pray that we have open hearts to hear it and enrich our lives even further. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Nick. Thank you. So can you make me a co-host, Anna, please? Thanks. So we're back in the book of Acts. This is where we are for the morning. Well, this is where we are for a few weeks. We've been following, um, we've made a new partnership with Open Doors UK, who are supporting the persecuted church across the world. And so we're following their um, dangerous faith series of studies. And what we're doing is we're um, bringing, uh, we're looking at the passages that they use on a Sunday morning. So we're skipping through Acts. I hope you're, you're aware of that. And the best way, I think, for you to kind of get your head around that would be to have a go at reading all the way through Acts. And then you'd fit the various um, bits in as we go along. Um, and today, well, I don't know whether you noticed something about this week's passage. I think it reads like a, a lot like the last time I was here. So um, Rob was here uh, a couple of weeks ago. Sorry, Rob was here last week, and we heard about the conversion of Saul. Um, and then if you were to read on in Acts, you were uh, in chapter 10, you get Peter's vision, which opens up the way for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. But today, I don't know whether you noticed when we read it, it sounded uh, a lot like um, chapter 8 and Philip. Now, those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word. Um, it reads a lot like um, what happened to Philip. So we, we've, we've picked up 
So we've jumped across um, in Acts, looked at Paul, looked at Peter, and we've jumped back um, to those ordinary believers um, spread out through persecution. And so I want to recap um, the last sermon uh, a, a little bit, and because it's, it's so similar. And today I think there's not a great deal to be said about this passage. I think there's quite a lot to be um, prayed. And so I want to leave, uh, leave us time to pray as we finish. And last time, and I think you read this in, in this passage, we found that pressure or persecution pushes people and, and the gospel with them um, into new locations. Last time we saw Philip went off to Samaria. And if you think about ourselves, we thought about ourselves, COVID has taken us into new places. It's taken us into new online places. It may have taken you um, deeper into your neighborhoods. It was interesting to hear that some people uh, like me and like our family know our neighbors better than we did before COVID and for other people that's, that's passed them by. That's just how these things happen. Um, but don't abandon these places. That was one of our uh, applications from last time. Don't abandon these new places. Um, if you're online in a new way, you're in new, uh, like we have a Stain Ash Crescent WhatsApp group, but how can you use that? How can you gently bring the gospel into these places that are new to you? We also found that pressure or persecution brings people into new roles. So Philip, although he was a deacon, he was essentially last time doing apostolic things. He was, uh, he was bringing a ministry of, of signs and wonders, um, and he was effectively starting a new church. <coughs> And here we kind of see young people stepping into, into new roles, which is, which is exciting. Um, but I also wonder, and we mentioned this last time, I wonder whether some older people um, are thinking about stepping out uh, of, of certain roles. And the message from last time was this, that if, if that's you, can you do it in a gospel-minded and a church-remembering kind of way? If, I, think, I think it comes to us all in these weeks. It'll come to all of you in, uh, if it hasn't already hit you. I just want to kind of run away. I want to run away to the country. I want to flee to, uh, flee to Barbados. Um, I want to go back home to Sweden. It might be, you know, it might be, I, that temptation in some measure, I think, will, will come somewhere along the way. Can I just uh, run away um, as, we, as we unlock and for some people, that might be the time to do that. It might be you decide you're going to move to be near a family or whatever it might be. If you're going to do that, can you do it with the gospel in mind? In other words, pick a location. If you're thinking of going somewhere else, how, are, how is that new location, that new place, this new season going to be a new gospel season, a new way for you to see, um, serve the Lord? And remember the church in it. Do at least let us know um, what you're planning and do think about um, the people of Staines Kong when you make those decisions. Sure, last time pressure requires new giftings. So Philip became known as um, Philip became known as an evangelist. By the end, he, he starts off. He's thrown into this role. He takes the gospel with him. God's enabled him to do signs and wonders. Uh, he preaches the gospel, and then by the end of Acts, he's known as Philip the evangelist. Um, these new roles that people are thrown into require new gifting. And so in this new season, as we get unlocked, what is the Lord calling you into? And I, want, I think of that in two ways. What is the Lord calling you into in, in terms of spreading the gospel? Are the new ways you can bring the gospel into your location, uh, if that's a new location? And the second one is, how can we serve our community with good works? That community that you've connected to, maybe in a new way, how can you serve them um, with good works? And so uh, pressure, persecution 
brings new places, new roles. New roles require new gifting. What is the Lord calling you into? We need new gifts for a new season. And I think we need gifts, the kind of gifts that one uses outside the church. As much or even more than we need the gifts that one uses within the church. And so really, I think this, this time, uh, our reading today echoes um, what we've seen with Philip. But this time it's not just Philip. The, the church has been scattered. So the, Stephen died. Saul, Saul was watching on. Um, we've read about his conversion since then. Um, the church has been scattered. And they went as far as Phoenicia, that's up the coast. Cyprus, that's off on an island. You know where Cyprus is. And Antioch, that's even further up the coast. And now some of them have, have regrouped and they've come back to um, strategic Antioch. Some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch. So here's, here's a map, little map. So you can see they're starting off in, in Judea here on the right-hand side. The church's been scattered um, right this way around to Cyrene, uh, North Africa, um, up the coast into Phoenicia, um, across the sea into Cyprus. And now some of these guys from Cyrene have joined with the guys from Cyprus and they've gone to Antioch um, up there in Syria. Now there are two Antiochs, there's one further around in, in Turkey, so just remember this is called um, Syrian Antioch. There's another Antioch sometimes called Pisidian Antioch further around. Um, and, the, and the scattered believers, maybe some of them have actually gone to you know, their homes, um, but now they've grouped together and they've, they've come back to Antioch. And they've taken the gospel we read to Greeks. Some dispute about whether that's uh, literally Gentiles or whether it's Greek speakers, but either way, I think there must have been some people in there um, who, were, who had no background no background in Judaism, no Jewish background. And they proclaim the Lord Jesus. And I think it, that is interesting. I think it is subtly different. They proclaim the Lord Jesus rather than they proclaim Jesus as Messiah because non-Jews are not going to understand what it means to proclaim Jesus as Messiah. In fact, if you went out and you spoke to your friends, it's not often you would tell them about Jesus being the Messiah because we're like um, these Greek speakers. Well, you would proclaim Jesus as God. You would say Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is God incarnate. And that's what they've done. And what's happened is that the Lord's hand was with them. We read that. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and, and, and turned to the Lord. These are ordinary believers. Let's go back. These are ordinary believers who have the Lord's hand with them. So that could be you, couldn't it? That is you. Ordinary believers with the, the Lord's hand with them. And we're just reminded, aren't we, that conversion is always a supernatural event. It's always, it's always a, a work of God. It's not something um, we achieve. something we say. Um, but the Lord's hand with them and many people believed. And the news reaches the apostles in Jerusalem. Uh, we read in the passage. Um, news reached the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So news reached the apostle in Jerusalem. They send Barnabas, which is a wise thing because he's a Cypriot. He's from Cyprus. It's just a kind of sensible thing to do. I think there's just lots of sensible wisdom in what happens here. 
And when he arrives, I mean, uh, if you imagine, you know, let's say, you know, the, the church got persecuted and, uh, and we all went underground um, and, and the elders kind of, you know, convened in a, in a bunker at Staines Kong. I'm sure there must be one somewhere, you know, under the stage. It's kind of like a... Um, but people were pushed out uh, and, um, and somebody goes off to, to, to Woking um, and, and they, they, you know, the Lord is with them. Um, and, and maybe they work amongst uh, Muslims or whoever it might be. Uh, and, and people come to the Lord. The elders under the stage, they, they get wind of that. Um, and, and we send Kev um, to, to, to go and check it out. Um, what's the worst thing he could do when he arrives? He could go up there and he could say, who authorised this? Who authorised this? And that could be Barnabas, couldn't it? He could, he could go and he could say, who, 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 gave, who gave the authority for this? And he doesn't because he knows. It's clear um, that God is uh, at work and he's glad to see that God has been at work. I, 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 in passing, I would say that I once did an unauthorised work of God. Well, no, I didn't. I once, that's not true. I, want, hmm, I don't know how to phrase that. I, I, I once did an, un, some unauthorised ministry as a student of, of about 20. I did something which I uh, was told not to do. Um, God worked, um, and I got chastised. Uh, I think you can see it still kind of bears a little bit of a, little bit of a scar. Um, so there are lessons here. Um, Barnabas goes with, with a very open hand, with, with much grace, because he's seen the grace of God uh, at work. So he brings, um, the new work nevertheless requires oversight. It requires somebody to go and just see that they're okay. And, and, and Barnabas goes. New work requires oversight. But he also brings encouragement. He brings encouragement to them. It, it says he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So he brings this gentle oversight, but he brings it with the means of encouragement, um, and with probably with a bit of teaching uh, and a bit of a bit of direction. So he encourages them to be wholehearted in their devotion. He doesn't dampen their passion where, with what he does, but he's also he's wise. He sees that there's an opportunity, and so he re- realizes the new work. It requires oversight, yes, but it requires encouragement, and it requires teaching. Um, it requires workers. And so he, re- he recruits Saul. And they both stay for a year. <clears throat> I think that's really interesting, isn't it? So if we'd sent you know, Kev off to this new church plant uh, in, in Woking, um, and he stayed for a year, I, I, you know, I wonder what Louise would think, really. Um, if, if he stayed for a year, that would be, in terms of somebody, in terms of a visit, that's a long time. Um, it, in terms of establishing a church plant, Sounds like a really short time, isn't it? If you could establish a church in, in 12 months, you'd be doing well. I'd just say that as we go along, just, just to note that, that, that Barnabas has gone and Saul have gone and they stay a year. Stay a year and then they move on. Their work is kind of done after a year. They, they hit it hard and, and they move on. It, it's, it's impressive, isn't it? And it's just a powerful example. And we read um, that the disciples were first called Christians um, at Antioch. Christians would have addressed one another as as brother and sister. And in the Bible, the most common uh, word the New Testament uses for Christians is saints. Christianity was called the way. Find that a couple of times in Acts. But it's not until the Christians get to Antioch and start telling the gospel among Greeks that they get 
called by the smart and sassy Antiochenes Christians. See, Antioch, they were, you know, they, they were the smart place. They were the self-proclaimed third city of the, of the Roman world after Rome and Alexandria. It's the capital province of Syria. It's half a million people. It's very cosmopolitan people from all races. Uh, it's a center of commerce. It's a center of religion. It's even possible that Luke is from uh, Antioch. And on its coins, they put this. And this, this, I think, tells you a lot about them. Antioch, metropolis, sacred, inviolable, and autonomous, and sovereign, and capital of the East. So that tells you you know, how they, how they feel about themselves. And the sassy Antiochites, they call this bunch of people Christians. Christians. And it has a double meaning. It has a double meaning. It comes from the word Christ, obviously. Um, and Christians then are followers of Christ or their little Christs. It's a sort of diminutive. Um, the Christians, a bit like there's a group called the Herodians. They're the followers of, uh, of Herod. So they're Christians, simply the follower of Christ. But it also comes from the word Christos. And Christos was a name uh, meant good or useful. It was a name you would give um, to, a, to a slave. So the Antiochites, they, they call them Christians. They're, they're, they're good little slaves. Pat them on the head. Snigger down your sleeve at them. It's a gentle put down. Many of them would have been slaves. They were certainly not noticeable people. But the good news, they have at least been marked they have at least been noticed. They've been realized, they've been seen. They've been seen as a, as a separate group from Judaism. That's important historically. But they've been noticed for being good. Such a, um, I don't know, it's just gently hard, isn't it? Um, to be put down and to be known for being good. Goody two-shoes. Prudes, things leveled at, at Christians, and you know that. I guess you'll have felt that somewhere along the way. So, how can you be encouraged to own this name, you bunch of good little Jesus slaves, and not feel put down by it? Well, I think you need to realize that it's, it's true. It's actually surprisingly accurate. It, it's true, isn't it? We're not notable people. Not clever or, or smart or uh, important or, or powerful. We're just ordinary, everyday folk following Jesus because he's saved us and we love him. And we're not on a power trip. And we're not trying to coerce anyone. We're just being honestly grateful to God and trying to communicate that to folks around you. So Paul said, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to, to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him 
that you're in Christ Jesus. God chose you, he chose me, because we're just, we're not notable. And I'm really conscious that God chose me because I'm one of the foolish and the stupid things. And if people say, what's your role in all this then, Nick? I sometimes say I'm just, um, I'm one of the foolish things God chose to shame the wise. And even Paul will say, uh, a few verses later, that's from 1 Corinthians 1, he'll say, uh, a few verses later, I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My preaching wasn't with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Sometimes when we're going, we want to say things that sound wise, uh, sound smart. They don't, they just sound stupid. But if the gospel sounds stupid as you say it, then there is at least a chance that it will come with the Spirit's power. And obviously if you don't say it, there's no chance of it coming at all. Not denying the possibility of a sovereign work of God. Not notable people. We are slaves. We are slaves. We are slaves of Jesus. Um, Jesus called the disciples together and he said, uh, you know the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them and their high officials, they exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Yeah? Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. He came to be a slave. A slave who serves by going to the cross. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. So we're slaves. We're slaves of Jesus. Paul and Timothy, you know, Paul, Paul and Timothy, beginning of, of Philippians, slaves of Christ Jesus. That's what the leaders call themselves. So we are slaves. And we are do-gooders. We are do-gooders. We want to be do-gooders. But not prudes. Prude is somebody who, who, who wants to do the right thing and the good thing, but by that feels that they're better than somebody else. We're people who want to do good, but out of service, out of heart, out of, out of slavery to Christ. Jesus said, to you who are listening, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For how can you own the label, Christian? Realize we're not notable, we are little. Realise we are slaves of Jesus and our aim is to do good. But ultimately, realise they did the same to Jesus. Jesus is, is treated the same way. At, at the end of Matthew uh, 5, so middle of Matthew 5, Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you because of me. Blessed are you when people insult you because of me. Blessed are you when people persecute you because of me. Blessed are you when people falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets 
who were before you. So I want us to pray. I want us to turn to pray for a few minutes. I kind of, um, over the last few weeks, so I'll, we'll come back to this idea that I want us to pray. Uh, I want you to pray for gospel opportunities, pray for eyes to see them, courage to take them, wisdom to know what to say. I heard that at um, uh, CPAS seminar many years ago, Church Pastoral Aid Society. Um, and I think there's, I think it's right, I think it's helpful, I think it's true. And then I've been thinking, we mentioned that first probably two, maybe three weeks ago, and think how many, if I'm really honest, how, how many times have I prayed that in between? And I think the answer, answer is pretty much not at all. And after this, if that's the state of my heart, um, what's, the, what's the state? It, uh, there must be others facing the same temptations. No temptation has seized you except what's common to man. So what's gone wrong with our hearts? I want us to pray. If we're not praying that, what's gone wrong? Um, I, I was a deeply awkward <laughs> young man at the age of kind of 18, 19, 20, um, became, became a Christian. But I really wanted to lead people to Christ. Um, and God gave me some very, um, looking back, kind of remarkable opportunities. I, I had a keyboard. You won't be surprised by that. Um, and um, somebody brought this guy around to look at my keyboard. And I don't know what happened, and I don't know how we got into the conversation, but we did get into conversation. I, I always carried a little track, Bridge to Life tract in my back pocket, um, and I took him through the tract, and, and he became a Christian um, in, on that first encounter that I met him. Which makes it really clear, doesn't it, that it's a God-given encounter. It's a God-set-up encounter. And he came then later that night to a prayer meeting. Um, uh, or a meeting of some sort, and he said, oh, and he went in to see his keyboard. And, um, and but, the, but the shocking thing to me is, where's that desire gone? Where's that desire gone to, to see people um, follow me into the kingdom, follow that guy, Gary Andrews, into the kingdom? I don't, I'm out of touch, but I trust and pray he's still in the kingdom. Where is the, where is the heart gone? And what about you? Where is the heart for people to come into the kingdom? One or two people who have, in the church, who, who set their minds to own the name of Christian and whatever comes their way and, and to speak the gospel ne nevertheless. And the rest of us, where has is, where is that gone? And I ask you to, th to think that one through. I'm conscious that it's a time of, of great heartache. So I want us to kind of think maybe there's a need for confession. Just to say, Lord, where's the desire gone? Please, will you, will you do a new, a new work in my heart? I'm conscious that we're in a time of great heartache. So it feels quite, quite mean at the end of a COVID time to be, to be saying these things. But I think it's also a time of opportunity. Uh, and if you are in great heartache, as many of us have been at the end of COVID and even are now, then I want you to bring that heartache to the Lord until you get to the bottom of it. The Psalms give you great permission to bring that to the Lord un until you get an answer and to be really honest with the Lord and, and persistent with him. And if you're heartache, I want you to tell the Lord that. I want you to get to him. And, and say, Lord, this really, this really hurts and this is a real pain and I want you to do something about it. And, and the Psalms give you, give you great permission to do that. So our heartache maybe consumes us. 
um, and distracts us, well, let's get it to the Lord. Let's get it to the Lord so it doesn't consume all of our vision. I'm not saying it's going to go away uh, immediately, but let's get it to the Lord. And then we can pray uh, for some God-given opportunities. We're good little slaves of Jesus. Pray for God-given gospel opportunities. Just let him take the strain. Pray for him to give you the opportunities. Pray for him to give you the eyes to see them. Pray for him to give you the courage. That's one of the things we like, isn't it? Just think, well, I'm too afraid. Well, pray for him to give you courage. And we think, oh, I just don't know what to say. Well, then pray for him to give you knowledge to know what to say. And pray for opportunities to do good to your neighbour. So I want us just to, um, three or four minutes, take the opportunity to pray. So let's be quiet. Hand it over to you. I'll wrap up in a minute. If you feel you want to pray out loud, I think that's okay. People shouting at snooker matches, for goodness sake. Um, so I feel like if you want to say that out loud, please do say it uh, loud enough for for people to say amen to it. Let's pray, let's just be honest with the Lord for a minute. Lord, we've, um, we, we've faced heartache in, in ways maybe that we've never experienced it before, maybe in terms of length of time or depth or, or in different ways. And Lord, we, we bring that to you this morning and say, we're just pained and we are tired and Lord we just want to run away and have things back to normal or just even abandon the normal and, and, and disappear and, and be with our families and our friends and we ask you in those places of heartache that we will find you will give us really honest, deep words to, to, to say to you that you will meet with us um, profoundly, Lord, as we get to the bottom of those things that are on our hearts uh, and, uh, and know that we've expressed them before you with all their pain and their, um, and their agony. And pray that you will meet us there, Lord, with, uh, <clears throat> with that supernatural peace um, that you give with, with fresh energy, Lord, with new vision. What otherwise we feel we're going to flag. And Lord, as we know that this is a moment of, of change, it's also a moment of opportunity. We trust and pray that you've been softening hearts through the hardships that you've put people through and people need. They need the gospel. Lord, they are lost without it. They uh, not just lost for this life, but eternally lost, heading for eternal punishment. And Lord, we ask you to give them, show them great mercy. Give us great mercy to be, although we're not notable and not clever people, you would show us the, the mercy of involving us um, in, in an important work of leading people into your kingdom. We're thankful, Lord, it doesn't require anything from us other than our willingness. Confess, Lord, we haven't prayed it. Confess, Lord, we haven't always been bothered about it. And ask you to do something new amongst us. Change our hearts. 
Help us, even in this time of, of pain and change, to, to look outward and realize that people are in a much greater danger, in a much greater lostness, unless they hear the gospel of Christ. We ask you too, Lord, to work sovereignly to reach those who are beyond our circles, particularly in our area, in Staines and the towns in which we live. We ask uh, you, you would work by your hand. It's a lovely picture that the hand of the Lord was with these believers. We ask that your hand will be with us, that your hand will be at, at work in and amongst and through Staines Kong in this period. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.